Welcome to the podcast about two good friends sharing stories to surprise and delight each other. I'm Courtney Farrell. And I'm Mason New. And this is I Got One For You. Hello, everybody. It's Mason New. And Courtney Farrell. And this is our podcast, I Got One For You, where we get together every week and try to surprise and delight one another and also just be generally just very excited about the world we're all creating together. So, Mason, I, I got one for you today, and it's a book recommendation. And last year, every summer, I like to have a book that we read out loud as a family. Okay. It's just a fun way to Good idea. Of, just break up from the school year when you don't have any time to do anything to this different pace. You know, we're eating breakfast, and I break out the book and get to read and... Um, our next door neighbor brought over a book and said this would be a great out loud summer reading book. And she handed me the book by Natalie Babbitt called The Search for Delicious. Have you ever read this book? No, but I'm I'm interested in the search. (laughs) Aren't we all? (laughs) So um, she wrote Tuck Everlasting, which was a book about a a family that had found the, the... um, youth, the fountain of youth. Okay. And they never, they never aged, which apparently, spoiler alert, that's a problem. Aging <laughs> is actually a good thing. Um, but this book, Search for Delicious, is all about this king who orders and mandates that there should be a dictionary and that the dictionary should have correct definitions for all the words that are used in the kingdom. But when they get to the word delicious... There's an argument about what actually is delicious. Ah. The, the cook thinks it's the Monday night baked chicken. The queen says it's the strawberry tart. Of the course. king thinks this. So he picks this erstwhile young, you know, hasn't made it in life yet, you know, je- not gesture, but young person in the court and tells him that he has a limited amount of time and he's got to go find, get on his horse and go find what delicious is actually is it's a great it is a great read out loud but it's also just good I don't care what age you are it is a wonderful book but it's got me thinking about words just words and how we come to them and how we love them or how we hate them or how they can start revolutions or they can start a riot in your heart you know they're just words have such power over us and um, it said maybe differently words also have the ability to lift us and I'm a great lover of words I know you're a great lover of words as writers and of people who like to string a lot of them together and talk <laughs> a lot <laughs> particularly have a love affair with them so I just thought it'd be interesting if we talked a little bit about words you're exactly right first of all characterizing us both as a lover of words it's it's what makes us human I mean I know that animals communicate but it is human beings that communicate in words that then can be written down. I mean, which is another point about, you know, how to make progress and how things go. It was really once human beings were able to put words down that things became permanent. You you could, you could pass along necessary information and knowledge and it wouldn't change it wouldn't be like the right you know, the storytelling pass along it would be something that was you know written in stone yes and in fact i don't know if you know this but 
I have been building a library for my children and um, I went, if I read a book that I really like and I can get in touch with the author, I try to have the author inscribe it to my children, not to me. Oh, that's and neat. I, I, I mean, take the idea. It, it, it's because I, I want to build a library for them so that when I'm gone, they will have books in many cases that I have the, the actual copy that I've read with my underlines and my questions and notes in it. So you're having this conversation across across the great wide divide. Yes. That's awesome. Well, and, and it's been great fun. I have probably about 15 books for each child. Sometimes I'll get the author to sign two copies. Sometimes I get one copy for one child based on a calculus. Anyway, the point of me telling you that story is I, whenever I get in touch with the author, usually by email, I say, I'm trying to build this library because I want to give them the only permanent thing I know in this life, words. Wow. I, I just, first of all, I have library jealousy. <laughs> and I'm just, I, you were talking and I was trying to reorder my life's to-do lists that I've been, <laughs> I, I also am collecting a library for my children, but I didn't think to actually leave notes behind for them so that, that we, we would almost be reading it together. This whole idea of reading together. Mm-hmm. You know, we love the idea of reading together. We love the idea of sharing words together. It's why young people, they will have a word that they love and they'll all be saying it together. There's something really wonderful about creating a word and then an entire community just gobbling it up that's together, true using that, yeah it. and then like, they we use, all know yeah. what the meaning is <laughs> and nobody else outside of this does but slowly it will and isn't it funny the lifespan of a word you know a word will come into being and then slowly over time have its place and then have its own sort of you know good buying i think it's fascinating how words can change over time mm-hmm. or i was looking at the word um bedlam Yes. I love the word Bethlehem. I do too. I love it. And wasn't it with St. Mary's of Bethlehem? It was an insane asylum in England. Yep, yep. that's right. And then it got, you know, Bethlehem was, just, it was crazy over there. It's a Bethlehem, Bedlam. You know, and so then that now is part of, uh, we probably don't use it as much as it once was used, but it's a phenomenal word that all came out of a real thing. Right. And a it's, real place. And it's a word that, you know, means... Just total chaos and craziness. I, I I think people use that word fairly often now. It's not one of those ones that's gone extinguished. It hasn't died. It hasn't died. Yes. It's got a flicker. So there's a book called The Professor and the Madman. Oh, of course. Yes. Have you read it? I read, mm, I read an excerpt with my students one time. I, I've actually not read the entire book. Right, well, I have a copy of it here for you. I'll leave it. It's fascinating because it's about how the Oxford English Dictionary was created. And it took 70 years, 6 million slips of paper with words written on them, trying to be categorized. These guys had no concept of how big the, the... the project that they bit off because to people didn't people send in words the words that they were using 
Yes. And so they, so they could track it. Got they it. Say yes, this. that's right. A dictionary should be a record of all words that enjoy any recogni- any recognized lifespan in the standard la- um, language. So any words that enjoy a lifespan. So people would send these in, and then they had a pretty rigorous way that they would, they had to find an actual example in writing okay. of how it had been used. You know, finding the real definitions of these things was really challenging. Um, I wonder what the Oxford English Dictionary definition of delicious is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to look it up. <laughs> but after you read the book. Uh, yes, No spoiler alert on that. Well, that... that uh, do you remember this? This is a, an old memory of mine. We went, we, I guess it was probably maybe 15 years ago. It was definitely before people had children. We were married and, you know, and we by had we, about, do you mean you and Melissa or you and me? Well, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't remember if you were married, actually. Melissa and I were definitely married. Okay. And I think we went to this party because some friends of ours were getting engaged. Okay. And so I don't know when you got married. Was it so. in, at Wintergreen? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So so I remember you and I, it was probably the beginning of some of our funny podcast antics, but we went around and we took a video camera and we interviewed people. Everyone at the party. Yes. Yeah. And we, we asked them funny questions that we knew that would sort of get their get them going a little bit. But I remember one of the questions was and, and I don't I'm, remember any of this. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you now one of the questions that we asked these poor people that were our friends long ago. Okay. So the question was you know, belt buckles, right? Big old oh, yeah. Texas style belt buckles. <laughs> I mean, I know you used to live in Dallas, so you've probably seen more than I have. But so you got your belt buckle, right? On your belt. Sure. What is the one word you'd put on your belt buckle? Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a really good one. Do you, did, did people answer? Well, oh, they I know, did. I remember. It's coming I re- back to me now. I, yeah, they remember. They answered. I remember my answer. Yeah, what, but was I don't your, what was yours? So mine was I, I. The word that I chose is the Latin word audax. Okay, and what does that mean? A u d a x. I just think it sounds cool, but it means courage. It's where the word oh. audacious comes from to be courageous and bold. And to me, I just think that's an important word to have courage and be bold and try things and get out there and you know, it's probably more of a reminder to me than to broadcast to someone else on my belt buckle that I'm some big <laughs> you're cur- looking down an awful lot Ooh, <laughs> courage need that <laughs> okay so that's an interesting question and in that you're putting me on the spot a little bit but it reminds me of a time back in 2000 or it was 2000 2000 and I was doing uh, a long triathlon race, an Ironman, right? And uh, there was I was talking to someone before going out to California to Camp Pendleton to actually do this race, and they told me that I should put the word yes on my bike. So when you're looking down, you know, you're in those that arm position, that very uncomfortable, unhuman position where your back is crinked up and your arms are out on those arm holders. And um, it, you look down and see the word yes, because apparently it is the most positive word in the English language. So I think I would put yes. I have a little bit of, I mean, 
yikes. I, mean, I don't know that I should put yes on a belt buckle because that <laughs> feels like I'm transmitting fair, fair, another yeah, message yeah, to the world. Yeah, fair, fair But enough. I'm an old married woman now. <laughs> I think I can just go ahead and say it. Yes. It's a yeah. yes to life. Maybe on the <laughs> yeah. back it can be like, no. Maybe courage on the belt buckle for the <laughs> same reasons. Is not, not a good courage, idea. my dear. No, courage, yes. <laughs> Now, 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 wait a minute. Let me, add, let me, let me go back for a second. So, um, Iron Man, they, what, what, remind me, do you remember the distances of the events? Yeah. I know they're extreme. I just, no, I, I think so. It's a, it's an open water ocean swim. It's 2.7 miles. Goodness. It's a road bike of 120, 121. Oh, I make, make this up. hundred and. That sounds right. Whatever. It's uh, yes. something in there. For those of you who have done this, forgive me for, I know, not my numbers. And then the then it's a marathon, two point, I mean, 26.2 mile Goodness. run afterwards. And uh, it's a long day. And you could use some positive. I mean, you're, the entire day is a series of highs and lows. Very, very great highs. I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm king of the world. Yes. Down, yeah, yes. <laughs> Down to like, ugh. You know, like someone's taken a knife and jammed it into your right shoulder blade and you and, and that person's everything. going yes yeah <laughs> who am i why am i doing this what's wrong with me do you, do you have do you have a memory where you looked down and really saw yes or or that it it came to you at just the moment when you needed it you know what uh, maybe a, maybe a little bit it, maybe less like that because i did have a very very crazy life moment so the swim was you've been to Camp Pendleton. You've spent time at Camp Pendleton. Sure. Mm-hmm. The water's cold there. Cold. It's very cold. Very cold. And what I learned is they, they had a swim out. It was an out and back swim and you had to do it twice. It was a circle. Oh. And so I um you are wearing a wetsuit, but mine didn't have sleeves. And I'm like, you know, Tim Burton's the corpse's bride as far as body <laughs> types go. I'm, I hang on to every calorie like it's a precious child. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. And unfortunately, <laughs> they stick. <laughs> so I got in the water and it was, you know, it was cold, but it was doable. But then w- once we passed a certain point, maybe 150 yards out, it just all of a sudden, I guess you left, you left the warm area and it just dropped in temperature. And it was really cold. Even when I was swimming, I knew like this is dangerously cold. Mm. And so um, my second time around, hitting that cold spot I had to do some crazy things in my mind just to like get through that anyway I came out of the water long story short and I had hypothermia I looked like my grandmother my eyes are sunken in like it was, they could tell they were they were spotting us when we came out of the water sure. so they yeah, pulled me course. and a couple right. other people out right. and they told us we couldn't get on the bike until they dealt with this is a pretty serious thing hypothermia so th- this is crazy Mason they had 20 people standing around me 20 human beings 10 of them are are standing back and they're rubbing their hands together just rubbing their hands together like this and then the other 10 are rubbing me my legs my arms my neck my torso with you know human contact so right so I've got 20 hands on me and then they step back some guy would say switch and they would step back and start rubbing their hands together and the people who had been creating heat with their hands would come up and do that they did that for about 10 minutes to me and then let me go on. And I got on my bike, saw that. It's all a part of a bigger thing. It wasn't like, oh, now I'm seeing yes. And yes, I'm gonna. it was just more of a sort of like, wow, look what happens when you just, you know, just accept, like take it in. 
I wasn't sitting there thinking, let me get on the bike. It was just like, this is just, this whole thing is a life experience you just need to say yes to and come on. Wow. Yeah. So that's my belt buckle. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. But I'm not going to let my children wear the belt buckle until they're married. (laughs) And then they too can wear the yes belt buckle. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, uh, here's, here's a little word trivia that I think you'll appreciate. The word ambition. Okay. So positive or negative word in your mind? Well, I, I've always had sort of a, I don't, I've, there's a part of me that wants to like the word ambition, but then I read, um, you know, Shakespeare, Caesar was ambitious, right? That mm-hmm. whole thing, mm-hmm. it was a grievous fault, that whole piece. Did I say that remotely correctly? Yeah. You remember the, I used yes. to know this by heart. Brutus has said that noble seizure was ambitious, and if mm-hmm. it was true, it was a grievous right. fault, and grievously hath Caesar answered it. There it right. is. Very good. I knew it was stuck in the back of my mind. So I've always heard, you know, ambition's a grievous fault. Not yes. something and that you should, you know, it was, he was, it was thrown at him after mm. death as being this terrible thing. But I kind of am drawn to it, too. Well, and we look, I think, I think it all often depends on the context in which it's being used, just like many words, ambition, you know, somebody who's ambitious, who's, a, you know, pull themselves up by the bootstraps, kind of, you know, persevere and become whatever, that's one form of ambition. And then there's another form of ambition that just, uh, where somebody in their goal just takes people out, right? Well, that's like, what, I think yeah. that's what it gets to. You're so ambitious that yep. you can't trust people right. know, the ambition so just, goes above the relationship right so your 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 accumulation of status or things or titles or whatever is at the expense of others that's that's the negative form however the word itself comes from running oh come on so i knew you would love this so in the in the greeks in the days of the ancient greeks they ran uh, course and the course was delineated by ambits so these would be ambits ambits okay. so they would be like a a gate that you would run so if you do the start line you run to the first ambit and then the second ambit is you know way out and you run around you run it, it marks the course got it so when you turn the corner around the ambit then you head to the next one and that's how they would they didn't have a track necessarily that but the ambits designated where the where the running course was so if you are ambitious you are running the course the course, the course of life but you are filling up your life in the course of running ah uh, so it's not the it's not the desire to get to the fill it's the it's the journey along the way yes and and but also that you're filling your life up with things rather than achieving it's yeah instead of achieving it's a slight in my mind at least it's a slight difference between accumulating things on your life journey and accumulating experiences that enrich your life. It's That's the, the way I look at ambition. It's, it's the LinkedIn resume versus the Instagram life. Right. I mean, I mean, if there's any goodness in social media, which is a whole nother podcast, sure. you know, it's, the, it's not filling the resume. It's filling the life. Filling the life. Yes. So ambitions well, or am, like ambition 
would be the desire or to go out and to fulfill your life, to run the course in, in the right way. I love that. I just, I love the, the pulling apart of words and the understanding and how we can inject meaning into words and <clears throat> make them be something that drives us. It's just kind of a cool thing. Like the other day I was, well, I'll tell you this one. So with my children, this is two words together, but we have little, it's, co they're codes. So at night, you know, when they're going away or when I'm leaving them, you give your children a kiss, right? Or you blow them a kiss, you know, the sure. whole thing, you kiss your hand, you yep. blow it, and yep. then they catch it with their hand. If someone blows you a kiss, you should catch it, right? Okay. That makes sense. Got it. That's like if someone Glad hits you know. a tennis ball, you don't just watch <laughs> it and go, hey, good hit, <laughs> right? You you do something to the thing. So someone you blows you a kiss. You just hit me in the belt buckle yeah. with a tennis ball. Yes. <laughs> so to reach up and catch it. So we started to do that. And then I'd say, you know, catch it. And they'd say, caught it. So now we don't okay. blow the kiss. We just say, catch it. Ah. And I hear them all say, caught it. Oh, It's just a nice like infusion. It's two Fantastic. simple words that meant nothing before. Catch it, caught it. But now it means catch I'm it, throwing love your way. Sure. And catch it. Don't just, well, that kiss will land somewhere. Right. Well, that kiss is directed at you. You're supposed to catch that kiss. Oh, that is so And fun. then I'll say, catch it, caught it, catch it, caught it. It's like with the Waltons <laughs> at night. Good night, John boy. Yeah, they're all going around. Saying different things. Well, I, I'll tell you, gosh, his memory is a little, little rough. But I, I, I will tell you one word I would not put on my belt buckle. Have you ever played the game Balderdash? It might be one of my favorite games ever. We, I'm but sure. We, we call it the dictionary game because yes. we never got the actual oh, game. The game. So there was a game right. that came with you know a box of really. Uh, triple, well, I would call them tr triple word score words in it, right? right. They just, they're, they're words you've never, bouldered at, they're words you've never really heard. Some people, really, really, really well-read people perhaps, but they're the words in the dictionary that have gone unused for a long time. Exactly. And then a group of people, right, have to come up with what they think the definition is and then all the fake definitions are read out along with the real definition and you all choose which one you think is the real definition, right? That's, that is correct. And if you play with serious erudite people, they try to write a, uh, a definition of a word that sounds crazy, you know, way back difficult word to, to know. Like they try and get the definition. They try, well, yes, or they try to write a plausible definition. And then there's some of us who play with some friends who are intelligent in other ways, shall we say. <laughs> Nicely put. So I, um, I was playing Balderdash one time with uh, some friends of mine, and um, the word was mundungus. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess, not all of them were erudite, well-read people. Well, Mundungus. Well, <laughs> that sounds like something that I, someone with a belt buckle <laughs> might be a condition that they go see a doctor for. Well, I'm not going to repeat the definition uh, that my friend David uh, created, but needless to say, it's it not was... ready for. It's not podcast ready. <laughs> no, it's not ready for anything. But. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it is a funny word, mundungus, and we all had a big laugh at uh, about it. And I actually do know what the word. What does it, it mean? It is a form of uh, tobacco. 
it's, oh. it, it's like a, it's it's some very rare form of tobacco that was grown a long time ago and i'm, I'm sure it has a particular odor scent. It's a, <laughs> yeah. it sounds like something that might have an odor <laughs> yeah it well, does you know that's funny you say that because if you recall we had that conversation a while ago about uh inventions and i had mentioned uh, the smell emoji as the oh yeah the, so so I would like to invent the Mundungus smell emoji uh oh <laughs> but I don't think I would use tobacco <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that that game is the best that takes me I love that game so much well that game you know it reminds that game is connected to the word that I don't the word itself the sound of the word is okay I mean it's fine. But it's a word that I think is a very important word, which is irony. That's that's the foundation by which Wardy and I run our life. <laughs> irony. Irony. It's if a day without irony is a day wasted <laughs> as far wh- as I'm why concerned. Humor works. It is it's the it's the center of the good parts of life. <laughs> I have a friend who came to the beach with me excited to dig into some very light reading and she had a book by about Charles Darwin okay and i said wow that's some heavy reading she goes oh no 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 this is this is about the founder of the darwin awards <laughs> <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> the- careful careful with those awards <laughs> awards i'm sorry but that's funny, and that's irony. Yeah. That is, that right there is the reason to wake up in the morning so that you can just run into that stuff just sitting there on the side of your life, and if you walk too fast past it, you're going to miss it. That, that, do you remember the Saturday Night Live skit like way back? And it was the Belushi days, and they they said, ladies and gentlemen, a man is mugged in New York City every eight seconds. Ladies and gentlemen, we now have that man. <laughs> <laughs> and so so they start interviewing him and then like people come in into the scene and beat him up and take his wallet. <laughs> Wait, did they also I think I remember this. They'd say, does, does it actually happen every eight seconds? <laughs> and, he, that's right. and he replies, he goes, well, sometimes I make it to 11 or 12 seconds. <laughs> but it, but it's the average. Bam. <laughs> now that's irony right there. That is so good. So my sister has a child, and when she was little, she would make up words by accident because she'd mispronounce things, you know. Of course. We all have the, the words that our children say, the way they said it, and it's cute, and it's, they stick with your family for a while. But this one has become a, a family staple, and I think it should be introduced to the greater populace as an option for a real word. And it's instead of saying yesterday or a couple of days ago or, you know, I don't know. Last week, the sure, other day. Any of that, right. The other day at our okay, age yeah, could mean you anything. Know, two years ago. Yeah, she would say "lasterday." Oh, yeah, "lasterday," which That's I think great. is viable instead of saying you know a while ago. "Lasterday" it implies anything that happened before this moment here. 
That's you know? a fantastic word. Isn't it great? Lasterday. Lasterday. So I'm, I'm putting it out there right now. I think Lasterday, if there were some, I'm sure there's some place on the internet where you can apply for word citizenship. <laughs> right? <laughs> like you just put it in there and tell me what the criteria is. This word, I think, can jump through all the hoops and actually get its papers because <laughs> this this is a real this is a good word. We should send it into the Oxford English Dictionary. I think that's a great Lasterday. idea. Lasterday. Day. And then we'll give them all kinds of context that we that you know people use it. I would love to. I, I do you have words that have been made up in your life or that are that you think should be put into the lexicon? Is that the correct way to use the word lexicon? Yes. Okay. It is. Ooh, made up words. I don't think of, I can't think of a word that's made up that I made up. Um, it's an interesting. It's I don't, like I don't strategery. Know. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, everyone yeah, always yeah, made yeah, fun yeah, of yeah. of the bush, right? Yeah, like, yeah, for all of his words. Yeah. Personally, and this is not a political statement, I was always kind of impressed. You know, like you just, if you're making something, you're rolling with it, you get the confidence to know, like, that is completely made up and I'm going to keep rolling with it. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there for you guys to just enjoy. <laughs> Don't worry about what I'm really saying. Just stick on strategery. <laughs> and that that word itself gets, that word has entered into the lexicon because anybody has. who's ever seen that skit uses the word. And, and of course, ironically. <laughs> Coming back. That's right. So I heard a word the other day, again, slightly made up, but um, a woman was trying to describe the things that were important to her in her life, and she used the verb potlucking. 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 She said, mm. I'm kind of potlucking my way through life. Oh. And it was this idea that you never show up with the whole world on your shoulders, but you share a little bit of it with, oh. you know, like everyone should come to whatever whatever ha- bringing something so i liked that word too potlucking potlucking yeah and just think about put, what if you put potlucking and the way you were going to approach life you know then everyone always brings something it makes everything a little lighter a little easier so is the person potlucking bringing different things or or just interpreting things differently based on all of the different that's smorgasbord a, of stuff that well, people. that's actually kind of interesting i didn't even think of it that way she was talking about how in her family everyone always brought something to the table okay and it was it was never upon one person to feed and provide that they would all bring something and it would make it this very wonderful um coming together where everyone had a stake in the gathering oh that's but i fantastic. like your notion of potlucking being you're taking a little bit from everywhere before you kind of make decisions or before you move forward, that's really, that's kind of cool. Well, I didn't, I, it, the line of poetry that sticks in my brain relate, that just popped into my head when you mentioned that is Tennyson's poem, Ulysses, about Odysseus, Ulysses, and he says, I am part of all I have met. Wow. And it's at the end of his journey when he's coming back. I am uh, part of uh, all I have met. I have met. Meaning, Every person along this journey has impacted me, influenced me, made me become. I'm part of, they are part of me and I am part of them. It's this interchange of ideas and experiences and people and that's how we formulate who we are. And yeah, I was going to say a life truth. 
for sure. There's no question about that. And think about it, if you go back in life, you you think. I mean, I know at least when I you know thinking about when I was leaving high school or college, whatever. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna conquer this. I'm gonna take this on and blah 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 blah. And you know, of course, life never. It, it, never, it never happens the way that you think it's going to happen when you're young. But then when I look back and I think of I'm part of all of I've met or that idea, potlucking, potlucking my way through life, that's pretty good life. That's pretty good life. Yeah. I mean, just it's a better way of looking at life and think like even those people who, you know, I'm not talking about people who really hurt people, but, you know, people that you've interacted with that you have a negative or uh, interaction with. But you say, hey, I'm part of that. That person's part of me. I've moved in a different direction because I don't want to behave that way. Whatever. And uh, again, I'm not talking about somebody no. who's severely hurt. Someone. No, no, no. But I, this is a this goes back to a conversation I got to have with Dr. Eagers the survivor of the concentration camp. She's now 93 years old, mm-hmm. but she said, if you ever meet anybody who is offensive to you or hurtful to you, you have to look at it and find that same offense or hurt in your own self. It's really interesting. Ooh, it's a yes. really interesting way yes. to look. She said, all of these things are, are inside of each one of us. Yes. And so when you yes. find something that is repugnant to you, don't look and try and pluck it out of the other person. Instead, uh-huh. Look at yourself and find that within yourself. Interesting. So I think that's kind of, you know, that's where you're appreciative of these people that come into your life that for whatever reason aren't, you know, that don't make you feel good or give you energy, right? Right, 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 right. But they do give you something. Right. And you can make a decision not to behave that way. You can make a decision to take that energy, whatever it is, and thrust it in a different direction and be positive about it. Say, hey, you know, that's what I learned from that person. That's because I'm just potlucking my way through life. <laughs> I understand that if you want to put a word into the general populace, you just need to say it five or six times, <laughs> potlucking. We should, we, you know what? We should come up, we should make up a word that we use. All the uh, time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just put it out there. I can't, think, I can't think off the top of my head right now. Okay, but we, but well, we have potlucking. <laughs> well, we and last day, we could start with those. Wait, yeah, we could start with those, but we'd need to come up with one. I ourselves. like that. I like that. I'm on. So, in in the spirit of potlucking, I've got one for you. <laughs> okay. and it has to deal with just the simplicity of a few words instead of lots of words. And so, bef- before COVID, it's you know BC, um, <laughs> and I was traveling quite a bit. I found myself on an airplane. It was a nice airplane, the kind where you're kind of excited to sit in the seats. I was at the bulkhead where you think you're excited, but then there's really no place to put your feet. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. you awkwardly like uh, kick uh, them out like a kickstand on a bike. <laughs> bulkhead is a great word too, by the way. It is. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the bulkhead. <laughs> and I started thinking about, well, what am I going to do on this flight? And so I got this idea that I would take fairy tales and I would try and tell them in the shortest amount of words possible. Okay. All right. So I'm going to read <laughs> How you. did you think of this idea? Oh, I have no idea. I just, I don't like... <laughs> I can't work on a on an airplane. I have always have these like, oh, it's an eight hour flight. I'm gonna get all this work done. Never. I end up with you know. That's funny. I can't stay peanuts awake. Drinking down my face and a, you know drooling on the person sitting next to me. I just <laughs> it never works for me. Never. So I did anyway. I did this and this was kind of fun. So I wrote 
one about Little Red Riding Hood. Again, I'm trying to, here are my criteria. I had to tell it in the few, fewest amount of words possible. And there had to be a moral at the end. Okay. And it had to rhyme because it would course. be boring if it didn't. And I mean, it's that's, you. Right. So here we go. Um, so this is about Little Red Riding Hood. So it's called Little Red. Red Hood, Dark Wood, Wolf Ahead, Grandma Dead. In a dress, more or less, wolfy grin, girl comes in, wolf beams, girl screams, cutter came, wolf now lame. Morals math, don't leave the path. <laughs> so that's kind of a cool exercise when you're getting down to just really few words. Oh, sure. It's a fun thing to make your brain do. Yes. Um, I, w- one of the, the exercises that I forced my students to do, and they, they really hated it when they were writing, but it's a great exercise. And in fact, some of them will still contact me. Well, actually, let me tell you the exercise first. So I said you could not use the word to be in any form in your formal writing. Wow. So you couldn't say, you know, um, Mr. New is mean. You know, you would have to say Mr. New conducts himself in an extremely mean manner. Wow. Which which means sometimes more words. But what it really does, it 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 takes is out of the equation. And so now you have to insert a new word. It focuses you on the verbs. That is so cool. And and. um <laughs> so now, you know, most most of my former students, they're they're professionals now. They're in their 20s and 30s. And and every now and again, I'll have an email exchange with them and they'll and they will write back. Mr. New, you're using the word to be. <laughs> Mason, I love that. I'm going to try that. It's very difficult at first, mainly because it's so easy to go to the word is. But um it, but if you but if you if you prevent yourself from doing it and it, and it, I'm not talking about in verbal conversation. I understand. It's, yeah. it's it's the exercise for your brain. I think it's a neat way to focus on new words. How do you insert new words into your vocabulary? It has to be really intentional. And verbs are a great way of doing it, especially when you're writing, because verbs really tell the story. Well, it's funny. If, you know, my my daughter reads a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. But because she's reading to herself, she doesn't necessarily know how to pronounce the words. So okay. the other day, she asked me what the word medieval meant. Medieval? Medieval. I don't know that word. It, well, I don't. if you do, because it's actually pronounced medieval. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but just like the, the reading of the words, oh, if you don't sure. actually speak yeah. them out loud, you don't have the, some of us who struggle with things simple and basic like pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and spelling. Oh, here's a word for spelling. you. Here we go. Here we go. Here's a word I'll never forget in my entire life. It's a great city in our in our country, the great city of Chicago. Of course. Have you been? I have been. I have taken the architectural tour in Chicago, which you must do. Have you read The Devil in the White City? I have not read The Devil in the White City. Another, another addition to your bedside table. Amazing book all about the creation of Chicago and... There's a line in it, by the way, I want to tell you. This line in the book, it was talking about Chicago just basically growing at such a rapid rate that the government basically went out and, and 
paved roads, put down sidewalks and lampposts out in the countryside because they knew Chicago would grow. And the author called it the landscape of anticipation. Ooh. Which is just, love that oh, language. that is fantastic. Just imagine your own, like, the what's the landscape of, of anticipation, anticipation for your life? Where mm. are you going out and putting out sidewalks and and lampposts and fire hydrants so that when you that certainly grow, yep. the foundation is there for you. Right. My first job, I went and worked at, at EDS, that stands for Electronic data systems or data systems depending on how you'd like to pronounce it and <laughs> tomato, uh, tomato tomato whatever <laughs> so i show up in dc going through headquarters i meet this darling woman carolyn stevens who unfortunately for her has been given the terrible task of being my boss <laughs> now how old are you um i am a very immature 22 okay right out of school hot out of hot hot cakes <laughs> off the griddle and um i had a lot more curing to do let's put it that way so i get there <laughs> and she looks at me and she's listen your cubicle is down on floor 3 and i need you to go down there and just make sure you can get into your computer just put in username your name and then your your password chicago and right okay. there i got a little tense tummy because I started thinking ooh that's a tough one we don't have cell phones at this point you can't just go look things up again for those of you who are listening spelling not my number one <laughs> gift running yes humor yes spelling, spelling no, no. <laughs> so I get down to my my beautiful cubicle the land that everyone dreams of arriving at. That, that your own land of anticipation. My the, own the, the, landscape the, of anticipation. The, the <laughs> my cubicle. own piece of irony somehow <laughs> in my life. Anyway, I'm down there and I type in my name and then I'm sitting there saying, Sha-ka-go. Sha-sha-sha-sha-sha-sha. And after several attempts, none of them where the magic Alibaba <laughs> secret password, I made a collect call <laughs> home. No, you didn't. I did. Mama, how do you spell Chicago? <laughs> Unfortunately, Carolyn. While you're trying to log in. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> Carolyn called in and said, is your computer working all right? To which I thought, yep, here we go. Uh, <laughs> Corporate line number one. Yes, it is. Working fine. Got in nice and easy. <laughs> Mama, please. Chicago. How were you trying to spell it? Who knows? <laughs> There's so many options. There's an S-H in there. There's ah, the ah, A-H. I hear ah. There's a lot of sounds coming at you. A lot of sounds. <laughs> So did you ever, did you well, ever I got get, in. Yeah, that was the, that was the password. Easy ticket when you understand it's C-H-I. For did, those of you who are following along at home, who are still confused how that word goes. Did you change it to your spelling of Chicago, which no, no one, one would could ever get in. guess? Yeah. <laughs> Fort Knox. Let me come do your passwords, friends. It can't, can't be hacked. No <laughs> one would ever spell a word this way. We don't know how to get in. Bletchley Park. <laughs> even they're stumped. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I want to I want to read you w one thing, and uh, it's it's a it's a poem I wrote when my daughter was born. She was born five and a half weeks early, 
and it was a great surprise because I was on a trip to New York City for business and boom, right. bang, you know, here right. comes this child in the middle of a, a meeting. <laughs> Every mother's dream. <laughs> and um, I, I started thinking about the word early. I had a lot of time to think about it because as you remember, you came, right. you and Melissa came, picked me up from the hospital and brought me back with Rosie from New York 11 or 12 days after she was born. Long story short, um, I just couldn't get this idea of being early. Like, what does early really mean? And you understand what early means when your child comes before they're finished developing. Yeah. You know, that really right. drives a, a a big, it, it defines that word for you well. Right. That's that's a lot different than being early to the meeting or early to yeah. some a other. Early riser, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's a different it's a different deal it, it, for it, sure. It it puts some it's put some strong meaning behind sure. the idea of early. So I I had to get it out of me. What does early what does early mean for me now, and how can I embrace the goodness of early? Because I in the end had a perfectly healthy child. Lucky lucky me, um, despite her early arrival of five weeks. So I wrote this poem. I want to share it with you. Early, I got an invitation to arrive at two for tea and another won't you join us for a quarter past three, and a request to come for supper with Her Majesty at eight, so I'm getting myself ready, because I shouldn't make her wait. I'll be sure to take my manners and a little gift for ma'am, a posy full of flowers and a gift of homemade jam, and I'll say my please and thank yous, and I'll curtsy right on cue, but most of all I'll be on time, because that's what one should do. But can you just imagine if I arrived for tea at two, only I came five weeks early? What would the good queen do? There'd be no sweet scones ready, not a sandwich would be made, and the tea they planned to serve us would be presently mislaid. The grounds would be disordered, the queen's hair would be a mess, and she might be in her dressing gown instead of in a dress. Well, I'd stand right tall and curtsy to Her Majesty the Queen, and in She'd invite me in because she'd not want to make a scene. And they'd scramble in the kitchen and they'd find some day-old bread and we'd eat it up with some homemade jam upon old Queenie's bed. <laughs> and in the end, I'd missed the day for which I was invited, but day-old bread and jam in bed made both of us delighted. <laughs> so I love, the, I love the taking a word, finding Early. all the meaning that you have in your own life experience with the so word, great. and then processing it. <laughs> You know, it's okay. You come early. You're not going to get what you thought, but you'll get something. And in my case, it was a healthy, beautiful, redhead baby girl. <laughs> Your poems are so funny. Um, well, I want words. I want more words. Yes. So we're, we've, we've come to the end, of course. And as usual, I didn't know where we were going to end up. And I, I love where we've, the course we've run, the ambitious course we've run. So I think we need words. We need words from anyone listening here. Please send us some words and words you make up, words you think you love, words you don't like, whatever. Words you want to bring back. Yeah, you know? whatever the words are, send us some words and we'll do something with them. We, we will we'll take them and we'll bring them back to this conversation and we will have tons of surprise and delight related to those words. Mason, this has been awesome. Thank you. Love it. Thank you, Court. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. And share with any of your friends you think might enjoy being a part of this conversation. We'd also love to hear your thoughts and stories, so visit us at www.igotoneforya.com or email us directly at igotoneforya.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>